0: So 2 Peter 1, again, starting at verse 5, because where 8 goes, our text, it helps to be reminded of of what came before. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love and then our text for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ but if anyone does not have them he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's uh, our reading for this evening. So, Paul has urged us to grow in the precious faith. That we've received from the Lord, and He's shown us in how to do that in a balanced way, and that's we saw what that balance was with those various words last Sunday night. So that's uh, adding goodness, knowledge, and so forth and so on, um, and now He gives us reasons to grow. In the faith, and if you've been tracking along with these first verses of Second Peter over the last couple of months, it's it's amazing and it's incredible how he's talking about the faith, and it's like he's rolling out the carpet bit by bit, more and more, revealing more. So that's tonight. The carpet's rolled a little bit uh, farther, and he gives us reasons to grow in faith. It already makes sense why we would want to grow in our life as christians when you receive a precious gift you want to thank the person who gives the gift and in the case of the lord we thank him especially through prayer and through living for him day by day but if it weren't obvious enough that we want to say thank you Peter gives us specific reasons to grow in our verses today. And and the first one is, we're going to first of all take a reason in verse 10. There's actually a reason in each of the four verses that we read. We're going to start with 10. Uh, Christian growth brings assurance of faith. Peter tells us in that verse, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do all these things, you will never fall. What that's about is our security and in and our assurance of faith. And we can have that. We can be secure in our faith, we can have assurance of our faith. I was speaking once uh, with, with someone about this, uh, this was a, a while back, I think it might have been a, a church member, and they, they said, well, you can never be totally sure, you, you know, you hope you are saved, and I stopped the conversation there, and I said, yes, you can be sure. 1 John 5 says, these things I have written to you that you might know that you have eternal life. And the Apostle Paul was convinced that nothing could separate him from the love of God and Jesus. And we read in the Catechism earlier, summarizing the Bible, that a true faith includes a deep-rooted assurance. We can have assurance of our faith. Uh, But but there there are a couple of different ways that, that we can go wrong in this area of assurance. One of the ways is to overly examine our lives, spend our lives every day uh, sort of feeling our spiritual pulse, taking our spiritual temperature, agonizing about how we fall short as God's children, and we can get kind of stuck in a navel-gazing mode in the Christian life. And it's very possible, you know, especially for people who are really serious about our faith, That that we want to be so sure, but we can get stuck in that mode. But the opposite mistake is also possible. It's to presume that we are saved and to never take our spiritual pulse. To never do any self-examination of our lives. To just assume, to presume that everything is great and good. Of course we're saved. What I want... Here's what I want to suggest as the way the Bible teaches to approach assurance. And it's really what Peter has already shown us as he's been rolling things out in these verses. Here's how to approach this. Here's how to make your calling and election sure. Here's the key to assurance. Number one, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. If you only look at yourself and your life, And your sin and your situation all the time. You know what? For every one of us, it's going to be really hard to find assurance there in ourselves. But if you look to him, guess what? We're looking away from our situation, from our despair, from our sinfulness. And you see in him, uh, the one who came to die on a cross, not for the righteous, Not for the secure and self-assured people, but for the guilty, for you and me, for sinners. And and so look to Jesus and the facts of of who he is and all that he accomplished. We start there uh, with our assurance, and that's where Peter starts. But then there's something else we can do. There's another step. Um, besides looking to jesus and the facts about who he is and what he's done as peter says add to your faith in jesus we don't stop with our worship and contemplation of jesus um, and and asking him to apply his grace to our hearts but the way peter is proceeding here it's like well also practice the christian life if you look at the verses the bible is saying assurance flows out of christian growth and it tells us that our faith is not only about our profession of faith that helps assure that we're saved but it's also about our progression in faith and in the life of faith that can give assurance uh, and security. And, and it's an amazing thing. The more you do for Jesus, the more certain and secure you become in him, in, in your relationship with him. In other words, doing what we read in 5, 6, and 7, making your calling and election sure. So that's the first reason to grow. It helps bring us assurance of faith when we seek to grow in the faith verse 8 has our second reason to grow we want to grow because growth will make our lives fruitful if you possess those qualities five six and seven in increasing measure Paul says they will help us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ if you add to your faith if you grow in the faith you won't be ineffective, you won't be unproductive. In other words, your life will be fruitful. This implies, of course, that there are Christians whose lives aren't fruitful. Has anyone here felt that way? I know I have. I know I'm a Christian, but... Sometimes I just don't feel like I'm going anywhere. I don't feel like I'm doing much good. Uh, I I, I try to move forward in the Christian life, but I take more steps back sometimes, it feels. Um, and, And I'm sure all of us would agree our lives are not as effective and productive as they could be for Jesus. But check this out. Peter's not saying we have to be perfect He's not saying that we have to have all these amazing talents or special abilities or magnetic personalities. We don't have to be Christian superheroes to be used by God and to be effective. We're just called to that balanced Christian growth that we get in 5, 6, and 7. We're just called to grow. But we are called to do that, to add to our faith. Each and every Christian is called to it, and each and every Christian can do it, because verse 3 said, We have everything that we need for life and for godliness. And we're just called to faithfulness. And here's the key we will be fruitful if we're faithful, we will be effective if we make every effort to grow. And so that's the second reason to be wanting to grow in our faith, so that we'll have fruitful lives. Our lives will mean something. Uh, We won't be ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Jesus. We won't stay stuck in our knowledge, as important as that is. But our knowledge of Jesus will lead to action for his glory. Third, growth will increase our vision. It will increase our vision. That's verse 9. If anyone doesn't have these qualities, they're nearsighted and they're blind. If we're not saved, the Bible describes people who don't believe as being blinded by their sin, being blinded by Satan, walking around in darkness. We have to be born again to see God's kingdom. We need jesus in our lives the light of the world to see correctly so when we're saved we see because we have jesus but even after we're saved apparently according to the bible here we can still be nearsighted and we can be blind even though we're saved and we're called here to increase our vision um even after we're saved. And, and so it's conceivable to be short-sighted. It's conceivable to be near-sighted as Christians. What would be an example of that? Um, I'm sure there are many, but I, what I was kind of thinking of was um, short-sighted as a believer would be, say, people um, who don't see much beyond the end of their noses. They only see themselves and what they need and what they like or dislike. They don't see beyond themselves. They can't see the needs of other people around them in the church, people of all different ages, different generations, different colors, different backgrounds, different likes and dislikes. Um, you know, there, there are people in the church who really need and crave For example, in the sermons, uh, some meat and depth. And there are others who will need it and like it to be a little bit lighter, for there to be a lot of very explicit connections between the text and their lives, and who maybe want some extra help with that. And um, as pastors, under the direction of the elders, uh, we we try to keep in mind uh, these different needs. In the church not everyone's the same and, and and some some churches as a whole not talking about the people now but some churches as a whole can be nearsighted uh, it's like they're squinting they're stumbling along and they, they don't see or they miss the vision that god has for them they don't see the needs of their community of the next generation the lost Uh, They don't see what God is doing in other churches and other places around the world. They don't have a a dynamic vision for the powerful and exciting things God can do in the church if they just seek His will and plan and mission and and go to their knees and call out for His blessing. Worse than nearsighted, the Bible talks about some Christians, some churches, being outright blind. And, and blind means here, like, willfully shutting your eyes. And that's like um, in our Friday Men's Bible study. We're not up to this yet, but we're going through the seven um, letters to the seven churches at the beginning of Revelation. Coming up yet for our Bible study is the church at Laodicea. Um, and Jesus writes to that church um, that they're proud, they're rich, they're th- they think they're fine on their own, and they don't need anything. They don't realize that actually uh, they're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Blind. That's Laodicea is an example of a church that um, certainly nearsighted, uh, even, even blind, according to how Jesus challenges them. In the end, our vision is called to be for the glory of God and his saving grace through the Son by the Spirit. And in contrast to that glory, our vision should be about our smallness, our great, great need for him. There's another incentive to grow, and it's that growth will bring a rich ending to your life. Verse 11, uh, beginning at the end of verse 10, If you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. we spoke of assurance, fruitfulness, vision, presently, but here's a reason that looks ahead a bit if we have uh if if we add to our faith we're being told we're going to have a good end to our lives not that we'll have an end to our lives that's without suffering or any doubts not that the end of our life everything is just going to be perfect we'll have reached uh, the pinnacle of the faith, and, and, and God basically could almost translate us to glory. It's not saying perfect stuff, no suffering. So how then will we have a good and even rich ending to our life? Well, Well, Peter talks about a rich welcome into heaven at the end of it all, because we're going to be greeted by hosts and hosts of angels. Uh, We're going to be greeted by that great cloud of witnesses of those who were in Christ and died before us, and we'll meet the Lord himself. That's a rich welcome. And so we've been given some amazing reasons to grow. Let's not miss out on all the riches and and blessings, and add to our faith. You know, thinking about assurance, fruitfulness, the call to grow in faith, it's very possible, it's actually pretty likely that um, we feel pretty inadequate in in light of, of God's call and what we read here. Inadequate in terms of our Christian lives, what we've done or not all done with our lives, we might feel like, boy, I've been pretty lazy spiritually. I have not progressed or grown in faith uh, the way I might have had I made other decisions. I'm not as far along in my life today as I would have guessed I would have been 10 years ago. Thank goodness our God is so gracious. He forgives, he accepts us in Jesus' name, and, and God can make right uh, what, what we have failed to make right. And more than that, he can make right what we have made a royal mess of, which we do sometimes. And, and so take the opportunity um, today to confess your need for the Lord, to confess your need for his spirit, um, to help us cultivate this balanced Christian growth as we continue to live. And, and, you know, in in the church, uh, we've just got an amazing opportunity to be growing together. We're all all in this together. None of us is, is better than the other. So let's help each other. Let's be a church filled with people who are, have received the precious faith, who are born again, and who are growing in that precious faith in a powerful way. And not just sort of growing, but making every effort to grow, working as hard as we can. We'll gain assurance, uh, we'll be fruitful, we'll be filled with clear vision, and we'll have a, a glorious end waiting for us when Jesus calls us home. That's what I wanted to share with you tonight from Second Peter. Let's pray. Oh, oh, Lord, thank you for uh, the encouragement we have uh, tonight from your word to add to our faith, to make every effort to add to our faith, for that faith to be balanced in, in the ways that are described uh, in terms of, of godliness and goodness and knowledge and self-control and patience and, and all the rest. And thank you, oh God, for, for saving us, for giving us as your people a natural desire to grow. But also, as Peter goes even beyond that here and gives us these four beautiful reasons to grow. And I pray that, um, that, that we might, that we'd be growing uh, in assurance and fruitfulness in our vision of those in the church and around us and, and improving the vision of our church overall. And that after it's all over, uh, we're so thankful for the, the rich welcome that's promised. Oh God, for all these reasons and, and even more, We ask that your Holy Spirit uh, would strengthen us, would fill us, uh, would change us uh, to to be uh, who you call us to be and who we can be because of your work. In your name we pray, amen.